If you have your Bibles today, and I hope you too, turn to the Gospel of Matthew, the 24th chapter. You know, over the past several weeks, we have been doing a lot of studying of God's Word in Matthew 24. We've been talking about end times, uh, tribulation. We've been talking about the second coming of Christ. And uh, we have ventured from it in a, in a week or two. And this probably is going to wind up uh, our study that we've been doing in Matthew. I don't know. We'll see where God leads us next week. But uh, we may be back in Matthew and we may be uh, elsewhere. But uh, the 24th chapter of Matthew, and I'll begin reading here in a few minutes. Now, I don't do this very often, but uh, I, I don't use sports illustrations very often. But I stumbled onto this, and I got to thinking about it, and it just goes and leads right into to the sermon today. And so, this was a game that transpired January the 3rd, 1993. And the, the Houston Oilers were playing the Buffalo Bills in New York. Now, it, it, uh, the clock said there was 13 minutes and 19 seconds left in the third quarter. And Houston was so far ahead of Buffalo, uh, matter of fact, they were ahead 35-3, to three, that the fans began to go home, to, to leave the stadium. Now, you know, why stick around and see your team get completely demolished? And, and being January in New York, it's cold, it's chilly, it's drizzling, it's raining. But the thing was, the game wasn't over. Had those Bills fans stuck around, they would have seen something quite amazing because Buffalo scored 27 unanswered points in less than seven minutes. And so they were within four points of the Oilers now. But it still wasn't over. The game still wasn't over. A tie put them into overtime. Buffalo wound up kicking the field goal in overtime and winning the ball game 41 to 38. Now, I tell you that to say this. I might have said this last week, but it was Yogi Berra that said, it ain't over till it's over. And, and you know, on that cold day in January, a lot of Bills fans had given up on their team. But if they would have remained faithful to their team and stuck it out, they would have seen one of the greatest comebacks in NFL history. Now, the military, in the military, the United States Marine Corps has adopted the phrase, and that phrase is Semper Fi. Semper Fi means to always be faithful. To always be loyal. The Buffalo Bills did not know Semper Fi because they didn't remain faithful to their team. But for followers of Christ, it's not over till it's over, and it's not over for us until Jesus comes back. So, 
That, that tells me that we need to continue serving Christ. We need, you know, because we're called to serve Him until He calls us home. So we need to be Semper Fi Christians. Always faithful even to the end. Now Jesus wants us to know, and we're fixing to read this, in Matthew 24, Jesus wants us to know that one day He is going to come back. We, we find kind of a central turning point in Jesus' teaching here in this 24th chapter today. But people that are living prior to the return of Christ must be ready for His coming. He's going he's to tell us in Scripture today that we need to be alert. Now when you take that word alert and you, you look at the original Greek, that, that word alert means to continually be alert. It's a call for the ongoing expectancy of Jesus' return. Remember what we talked about last week, waiting expectantly. Alright, let's go to the 24th chapter of Matthew. I'm going to begin reading in verse 42. Matthew 24, 42. Are y'all there? Amen? Amen? Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doeth come. But know this, that if the good man or master of the house had known in what watch or hour the thief would come, he would have watched and he would and would not have suffered or allowed his house to be broken up or broken into. Therefore be ye also ready for in such an hour as ye think, not the, not the Son of Man cometh. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord hath made rule, ruler over his household to give them meat in due season, or, or you might say food at the right time. Blessed is that servant who is Lord when he cometh shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But if that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants or beat his fellow servants, and to eat and to drink with the drunken, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he is not aware of, and shall cut him asunder. That word asunder means in two, and appoint him his portion with hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, Jesus has already told us, well, just go back up to verse 36 real quick. Go back up to verse 36. Verse 36 says, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but only, but the Father only. Now, you see, that's Jesus speaking. So, Jesus is saying the angels don't know when He's coming back. He don't know when He's coming back. God's the only one that knows. And when God says it's over... Go get my children. That's when Jesus will come back. But, but we see that we need to be ready. 
that we need to be on alert. We have to remember, you know, here some of the things that, that, we've, that we've learned over the past few weeks that while we're waiting, while we're watching, we shouldn't be stricken with fear. We shouldn't be nervous about Jesus' return. Our alert watching should be a joyous expectation of the coming of Christ you know, the one that, that we love, the one that we serve. A lot of people may be scared of it. But as followers of Christ, we should be in a joyous celebration waiting for His turn. Now, you notice here in the Scripture that we read, Jesus referred to Himself as your Lord. Your Lord. That should draw attention to the fact that we don't belong to ourselves. Jesus is our Lord. He is our Master. He is our Creator. When we follow Him, we are acknowledging that Jesus is Lord. We are His. He is in charge. In other words, He is our boss 24-7, period. We have to understand that. So, why should we continually be on alert? Well, because Jesus said... You don't know what, what day your Lord is coming. You know, over and over again, we have seen Jesus repeats the truth again that the time He is coming back is uncertain. So that's the reason why we have to continually be on alert. You know, here, I don't know, a couple of three weeks ago, we looked at two or three of Jesus' parables uh, uh, that, that He used to explain His second coming. And that's what we look at another one today. That's what this, these verses that we read is one of Jesus' parable. And you notice that Jesus compared His return to a thief in the night. Think about it. You know, a thief doesn't call you up and say, hey, guess what? At midnight tonight, I'm going to come break into your house. Or a thief doesn't send you a letter in the mail saying, a month from today, I'm going to come and rob your house. His principal weapon is what? Surprise. So, so a homeowner who has valuable in his house has to maintain a constant vigil. Well, Jesus was referring to that surprise element when He compared His return to the thief's arrival. Just like that burglar, Jesus is not going to tell us, hey, tomorrow at 12 o'clock high noon, be ready, because I'm coming back. You know, He's not going to advertise the time of arrival. Of course, that would be the extent of Jesus' similarity to a thief. Because what does a thief do? A, a, a thief steals what's not his. When Jesus comes back, what is Jesus coming back for? Jesus is coming back to claim that which is His own. Now I want you to look in verse 43. And I'm going to kind of be paraphrasing this. But he says, know this. If the homeowner had known what time the thief was coming, he'd have stayed alert and his house wouldn't have got broken into. This is why you are also to be ready because the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. 
Now, what I want you to see here is this. This is the way of saying that not only will Christ return at a time concealed from us, but it will also be a time that it seems least likely. It reminds me of the old adage, when you don't expect it, expect it. You know, <laughs> Christmas is what? 12 weeks away? Something like that? I think Christmas this year, I think Christmas Day is actually Sunday. But, you know, Christmas time, kids sing that song. Santa Claus is coming to town. Y'all remember it? Better watch out. Better not cry. Better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. Well, Santa doesn't have anything on Jesus because Jesus not only knows what we say, He knows what we think. And, and, and you know, one day He's coming to town. Now I want you to think about this. Has any of y'all ever been robbed? What happened after you was robbed? Did your mentality change? Your attitude changed? You know, if you've had a vehicle broken into, now whenever you're going to leave your vehicle, you make sure that it's locked, it's secured. You make sure there's nothing valuable laying in the front seat. Like you don't leave $10,000 in cash laying out in broad daylight in the front seat. Because I guarantee you, if somebody walks by and sees it, it ain't going to be there when you come back. But we're, we're, we're a whole lot more careful. And our whole attitude changes because of what's happened. You know, we're a whole lot more vigilant after we have been robbed. But just like you experience with robbery, all of us must practice vigilance in our spiritual lives as well. We need to be ready. If we're taken by surprise, when Jesus returns, it's not because He didn't warn us. It's because of our own negligence is what it's about. Believers have less excuse for carelessness than the homeowner that Jesus described in this parable. Who, who had been forewarned that the thief was coming. We know Jesus is coming. Every one of us would agree to that. That Jesus is coming. We just don't know when. A lot of people have tried to predict when Jesus was coming back to fail miserably. But let me ask you this. Have you ever thought about what you're going to be doing when Jesus comes back? When you least expect it, expect it. Now you just think about what you do on a daily basis. What are you going to be doing when Jesus comes back? You know, does that make you think a little bit? Does that maybe make you want to change your attitude? What I'm asking is this. 
is there some area in your spiritual life that you've begin that you've been neglecting lately? Maybe we haven't been praying as much as we should or as often as we should. Maybe we haven't been studying our Bible as much as we should or as often as we should. Now's the time to commit yourself to a new discipline. Why do I say that? Because we have been warned. Jesus is coming back. Now, I'm going to show you how important that's going to be. I want you to look in verse 45. Here again, I'm kind of paraphrasing. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master has put in charge of his household to give them food at the proper time? You see, this, this servant that Jesus is talking about in this parable is no ordinary servant. Many times, in, in this time that we're talking about, many times a well-to-do household had a servant who was like a manager. In other words, the master trusted this servant just a little bit more. He oversaw the master's uh, uh, estate and his other ser servants. And such a high-level servant could oversee giving food or rations to the other servants uh, when the master wasn't present. Well, since the master could return at any time, this, 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 this servant had to be on his toes. He had to be ready. He had to, to maintain a certain amount of character, you know, in his readiness, in his faithfulness to the task that was in front of him. Because if the master did return unexpectedly, you know, he would entrust and found his servant doing what he was supposed to do, he would entrust his faithful servant with all of his possessions. Why? Because the faithful the, the servant had been faithful with, with some of his possessions. Jesus says and tells us that if we can be trusted with some little things, we can be trusted with big things. Now, i got to go off on a little small tangent here for just a minute. I'm going to get on my soapbox. I, I won't do it but for a few minutes, and then I'll go back to preaching. Whether we think we've given much or a little, we are to use what God has given us for the sake of His kingdom. Now I want you to listen to me. What has God entrusted to you? What He has entrusted to us, we are to use for Him. You know, we are merely stewards of everything that He has placed in our hands. Do y'all know the song, Remind Me, Dear Lord? Have y'all ever heard that song? If, if you're not familiar with that song when you get home, go on YouTube. Find Remind Me, Dear Lord. Get the version by Alison Krauss and the Cox family. It's really good. But the first line in that song is, how does the first line, man, I just lost it. Uh, 
What I love and hold dear near what I what I love and hold dear to my heart is not mine, it's just borrowed. And then it goes on from there. But you need to listen to the song. What I'm getting at is this. We are to use what what he what he has given us. We are to use it the way God would want us to use it in His kingdom. You know, and that says a lot about giving to the Lord. That says a lot about being good stewards of what He has given us. I'm just going to leave you with that thought for right now. And I want you to think about that. All right, I'm going to get off my tangent now. Verse 46. Blessed is that servant whom the master finds doing his job when he comes. Truly I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. So Jesus is saying in this parable that this good servant is one who remains faithful. Alright, what did we talk about those fans at Buffalo? They all left. Why? Because they wasn't faithful. They didn't think their team could overcome. They didn't think their team could persevere. As Christians, we are His servants. So Jesus tells us, since we are His servants, we are obligated to do what? To serve Him in every way. Amen. Not just once in a while. Every way. So this, this parable of this wise and faithful servant illustrates the principle that we always should be ready for Jesus' return. It's just that simple. You know, that, that readiness includes being faithful and being found doing what we are called to do at Christ's return. You know, I'm always asking people, when they start kind of questioning my Christianity, I ask them two important questions. The first question is, are you doing what God wants you to do? The second question is, are you where God wants you to be? Now you think about the importance of that. Are you doing what God wants you to do? Are you where God wants you to be. Because we need to realize that our life, our breath, our energy, everything, our gifts are entrusted to us from God and they're to be used in His service. For His good. And, and what Jesus is saying here about this, this good and faithful servant is, is that our faithfulness will give us more responsibilities. The more responsible we are, the more responsibilities we get. Now, that may sound kind of weird to somebody that, that doesn't have any kind of biblical view, but there is a great joy that accompanies these responsibilities. You know, if you go to the next chapter of Matthew, chapter 25, you find the parable of the tenants. And, and, and where we're told there in, in that, that parable that those put in charge, uh, you know, those who were given more were put in charge of more or in charge of many things. Uh, you know, and, and we're told that we will share in the Master's joy. So I pray that when Christ returns, each one of us will be found 
being good servants, being faithful servants to the work of God. Now that's one side of the coin. Now we're going to turn that coin over. I want you to look in verse 48. But if that wicked servant says in his heart, my master is delayed and starts to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, that servant's master will come on a day he does not expect him in an hour he does not know. He will cut him to pieces, assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, Jesus already told us what we should do and how we should be prepared when He returns. We've already established that. Pretty simple. Now He's going to contrast that good and faithful servant with the evil servant, the other side of the coin. You see, this evil servant in Jesus' parable ignores His Master's commands and, and, and His Master's instructions. And basically, He just turns into a free-for-all. He just does what He wants to when He wants to. He just assumes the right of, of authority for Himself. But we know as good and faithful servants, we are called to obey God. We are called to serve God. But the wicked servant here in this parable is likely a picture of non-believers. Unbelievers who, who refuse to take seriously the call to follow, to obey, to serve. It's like the scoffers that, that the Apostle Peter talked about and wrote about when he said, the unbeliever says, where is he where, where is His coming that He promised? In other words, they're saying, that's just a bunch of hooey. You keep saying Jesus is going to come back. Well, where is He? Why, why hasn't he, he come back? Well, Jesus highlights the fact that this wicked servant is not a true believer. He, he assigns this servant to, to judgment in hell. You know, even though that word hell is not used there in that verse, we get the picture of it. I mean, to cut a, a person to pieces means to cut them in two. And, and in this, this was a form of judgment used in biblical times. People were actually sawed in half alive. Yuck! I'd just pass smooth out. So this is a picture of severe judgment. You know, Jesus also describes the judgment as a place for, for with, with hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. A lot of times Jesus referred to weeping and gnashing of teeth. That will be done to those that are doomed to hell. And I know that, that this is an uncomfortable subject. A lot of people don't like preachers preaching about hell. But we can't deny its place in God's Word. Because it's there. We have to acknowledge that judgment. We have to acknowledge that condemnation and waiting for those that are outside of relationship with Jesus Christ. 
You know, I read a story a while back in a magazine. I can't remember what kind of magazine it was. But it was talking about a pastor in a church. And I think this pastor was in Michigan. I think is where it was. But this was one of the fastest growing churches in the United States. And you know what his doctrine was? There's no such place as hell. I don't get it. But there is one of the big tele-evangelists, well, not tele-pastor of a very large church, that I've listened to enough, I've never heard him use the word hell. I've never heard him use the word sin. So basically, he is pat you on the honey and make you feel good. Preacher. Huge church. You probably know who I'm talking about. It's the reason why I'm telling you all the time, you've got to be careful who you're listening to. But you and I all know that if, if, if we're doing our job as Christians, we're going to cross paths with someone who is just in complete denial about Jesus. Don't believe there's a Jesus. Don't believe there's God. Don't believe in heaven. Don't believe in hell. Who do you think Jesus is talking to right there in those verses? You see, here's the thing I want you to understand. What I'm telling you about this, it is real. It's not some fictitious place. You just think most everything's got an opposite. Well, if you think there's a heaven, what's going to be the opposite? But it should motivate us in our service to pointing people to Christ all the more. Think about someone in your family or, or someone special to you that is in complete denial. Wants nothing to do with church. Don't believe anything about Jesus, anything about God, anything about heaven. They're doomed. That's the reality. And a lot of people in this old world right now have trouble dealing with reality. They just can't accept it. But God's Word says what God's Word says. So it's of utmost importance for us to be prepared, for us to be ready. So here's a lesson in a lesson. Yes, we should be faithful servants. We should be alert and, and waiting joyously for Christ's return. And I know you're sitting there, okay, we got it. We get it. But at the same time, we should be ready to share the gospel of Jesus Christ anytime the opportunity arises. Why? Why? 
as Christians, one of our tasks is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, to point people and others to Christ. Have, have you ever been around someone whose life is just not going well? They're not happy. They can tell you all their problems, all their troubles, everything they're going through. And I listen to them. I really do. But then I ask them a question. Have you had enough of it? Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Because your life don't have to be like this. Maybe, maybe you ought to think about putting a little divine intervention in it. Put a little bit of this Jesus guy in it. Because that's what it all comes down to. It comes down with us and with Jesus. You can't have what I got. I have a one-on-one -on -one relationship with Jesus, but you can have a one-on-one -on -one relationship too. Amen. You know, I've been encouraged two or three times this week I've had people send me text encouraging me to keep doing what I'm doing. And I'm talking about preaching. But I've got a, a friend that I told y'all I had a bunch of hunters. And I didn't learn until last night. I've watched, I've watched this kid grow up. That's how long he's been coming. And he told me last night that he had gotten divorced this past year, which I didn't know. Wasn't a sloppy, messy divorce. I mean, him and his wife got a six-year-old daughter. So they still got to be mom and dad and they're amicable in their divorce. But then he told me, he said, I listened to those podcasts and that's what got me through my divorce. That fires this old boy up. And I'm telling you that because here's the thing. When Christ returns, we won't have the opportunity to share the Gospel anymore. Remember what Yogi Berra said? It ain't over till it's over. Well, when Christ comes back, it's over. It is said. It is done. End of conversation. We won't be able to share the gospel with anyone anymore. And no one, unbelievers, will not have the opportunity to accept Christ as Lord anymore. So that's the reason why I encourage you to be ready to be prepared in your waiting, in your watching, and be a good and faithful servant. Because there is a time coming 
when it will be over. So if you believe in Jesus, you've publicly accepted Jesus, that's your public profession in Him. You remember what Jesus said? Jesus says, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. But then He went on to say what? If you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. And if you remember, please remember, if you already know Christ as your Savior, Semper Fi. Semper Fi is the title of my sermon today, by the way. What did we learn? It means always be faithful. Always be loyal. So, that's what, if, if you've accepted Christ, you've made your choice. Great. But what about those folks you know that haven't? They have to make that same choice. And all you can do is try to help them make the right choice. You can't save anybody no more than I can save anybody. But we can lead people to Christ. And then it comes down to them and Jesus and the choice they make. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank You for the opportunity today to be in Your house. Father, we just thank You for Your love, Your mercy, Your grace. And we just ask, Father, that this, this, this sermon today will motivate us that each one of us probably knows folks that need to know about the hope that is in You, the grace that is in You, the salvation that is in You. And help us be good and faithful servants. And tell people about all Your good qualities, about the relationship that they can have with You. Father, I just thank You that we have this church. I thank You that we have this church family. That we can come together as brothers and sisters and we can spend time in Your Word and just have a good fellowship and worship You. Father, thank You for all the good things that You give us. For loving us, for forgiving us. Certainly, Father, we just pray for the folks that are not with us today. We pray for the folks that we have on our prayer list. Certainly, we thank You for answered prayer. And Father, again, we just ask that You bless us with some rain that we desperately need. So as we leave here today, Father, just guide and direct us and we just ask that You continue to protect us in this very challenging time that we live. Help us not to falter, but help us be good and faithful servants.
It's in your Son's name we pray. Amen.